Hey everyone, Andre Sokolov here. I am the host of the Construction and Community Podcast. We are a podcast that explores the construction industry from things like tips and tricks, do's and don'ts, and of course, construction leaders in their field to bring you guys as much value as we can. On the community side, we engage with community leaders to hear their stories. I hope you guys enjoy the show. So, how are things going? Uh, going okay. Kind of crazy times, you know, these uh, these COVID times. I, it was funny, you know, the other day I... It was Groundhog Day. It was yesterday or the day before, and 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 I said, you know, I, for some reason, I see like I've been living Groundhog Day for the last six months. It's it's yesterday. I kind of miss Groundhog Day. I've been living every day as Groundhog Day kind of thing. It's the same routine kind of thing. So yeah, kind of yeah. crazy. No, that's fair. How's things with you? Good, good. It's been a different year. It seems like this year already seems way busier than last year. So I think people are kind of getting used to the whole COVID situation and whatever that means moving forward, I don't know. But I think I think there's a good, it looks like people are taking different steps and understanding that this is kind of the new normal we have to deal with and still got to renovate, still got to build, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, Rob. So it tell is. me first, I guess, first off, tell me a little bit about yourself, just like a little bit of history about you, how you got into home hardware and... How, how has COVID even affected you guys? Because this is a, obviously, a, there's a lot of questions going on with supplies and, and everything else in construction. So I'll take, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Well, I, you know, I kind of started this business back in the 80s. Uh, uh, that was an interesting time because it wasn't probably unlike um, uh, what we what we faced with in the last little while, in the last few years with, uh, with our governments and and uh, natural resources in this province and so on and so forth and it was it was tricky times and and being a tradesperson at the time and and uh, had an opportunity to get into the lumber business and and seen an opportunity in the future there so that was that was exciting and and um so i joined a team there and um back in that would have been back in 88 and um and moved into management and then into ownership at that time and and uh, we migrated into a beaver lumber uh, situation and the previous owner decided that it, it was too much commitment for him to to deal with that. I ended up buying that franchise from him, and uh, and then um, continued in '93 is when I bought that. And then um, um, in 2000 is when Beaver Lumber and Home merged together, and, and at that oh, yeah. time, Home Hardware was really strong in hard lines. Uh, but really, really locked in the in the LBM side of the business. They had building supply stores, but not to the same level. Yeah. Consequently, that merger was was really a, a marriage made in heaven, in my opinion. It, it just really complemented both. We had Beaver Lumber that needed a, a strong hard line supplier, and and Home Hardware that needed some experience in the LBM side of the business. So, so that uh, that was a great merger, and um, and things moved on. Then in two thousand and um, in seven, we built uh, this new store and uh, moved into a larger facility and, and did that. So, uh, been interesting times. Back in the eighties, you know, we had uh, the previous, our, our current prime minister. His um, his father was governing our country at the time, and and uh, he instituted the uh, the Energy West program, and and uh, that really screwed things up for Alberta. So it was a bit of a struggle. But you know, what's interesting about uh, all of those struggles, if you may, and you may affect different components of, of, a, of an economic uh, side of things but the building supply industry has always been you know in, in our world it's always been we're diversified enough and I've maintained a, a company has been diversified enough that 
that um, we we have uh, a commercial side of the business that we we facilitate. We have contractor business that we we, we um, are involved in strongly. Um, residential housing and home builders, private builders, farm, uh, rural type, large facility building. Um, and rarely do I ever see in an economic situation that they all fall at the same time. Mm. And um, so I seen that as a, as a potential opportunity to be, you know, a little bit of stability uh, there where, where, where you see maybe residential housing be soft for a period of time, but agricultural market, it becomes uh, strong for, for various reasons. So um, it, 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 it gives you a bit of a, 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 a balance to some degree. Um, so, uh, rarely do I see them all surge at the same time, but I don't see them all decline at the same time. So I, I, that can be a positive thing. But this past year has been quite the challenge. Um, you know, my 20, some years, 28 years in business, uh, you think back of, of the challenges that were faced over the time and, and never have I faced something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, I asked so much towards the end of last year give me one word to describe 2020 and you know there were there were very um uh, conversations about that <clears throat> but i sum it up it probably is as unpredictable it's mm-hmm. just a real challenge and unpredictable there's no history there's no book written on it you can't go back and say you know back in the 90s we used to do this and it seemed to work yeah. it, it, none of it seems to work this year um so that that became a real challenge it was like what is happening and what is going to happen next so so that was probably the most technically difficult thing uh because every day you were faced with a new challenge um and they were all related they were all connected together and that that really made it um a really interesting time so you draw back on some um some history to some degree some experience uh and then some of it is is gut you know, you, you you gotta draw back and you say, you know what, this just looks a lot or feels something like this, and and uh, and try to hedge and predict what you can um, uh, see some outcomes uh, doing. That was a bit of a challenge. So we seen early in the year. Um, you know, January was a typical January. It was soft. And the weather was typical. Um, you know, there was this rumor of these people wearing masks in China and this thing going on, and and we didn't know for sure what that meant, and that was just kind of weird. And and uh, <clears throat> you, you just kind of paid attention the best you could, and and then as things progressed, it started to get a little bit more serious about what the heck does this mean? And it was funny in the city of Camros, you know, um, when when we determined that you know there's a serious situation here and we're going to be into a, maybe a lockdown situation or something is it's kind of getting out of hand i remember coming to work and never seen a car on the road and i went home at night and never seen a car on the road and it was just eerie it was weird businesses were shut down uh we couldn't understand all of the reasoning why to, to the we, we understood what was happening but how this was going to impact everybody. And I think everybody just put the brakes on, absolutely stopped. Um, and it was shuddering. Uh, and that went on for about three, four weeks, three, three and a half weeks um, for people to just digest and try to understand what the heck is happening here. Um, so we were affected in the same light. I mean, it was like traffic counts were negligible. Um, you didn't know what was happening. Um, 
you didn't know what the next day was going to bring. Uh, all of a sudden, you had people that maybe had some health concerns that that um, uh, maybe pulled. They had an opportunity to back out of the system. Never before have we had a situation where employees could say, "Well, I don't have to work, and if I feel that I'm compromised or whatever, I, maybe I just won't work because mm-hmm. the government's going to give us some money." Yeah. So we were down probably 11 people at the time. And, and you know, I didn't so feel 11, too bad. 11 out of how many? 11 out of 43. Oh, yeah. Um, so at, at that time, it wasn't too much of a scary thing because when you looked at traffic counts and you looked at what was happening, builders weren't building, uh, people weren't coming in, the inquiries had stopped. Um, well, well, maybe this isn't a bad thing because I don't know what I'm going to do with these people. You know, you're gonna. I'm gonna hang, do everything I can to hang on to my people, but I really don't know what this means. So maybe that's not so bad thing that you know some people take some time, take a break, and 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 do that. So that went on for a couple more weeks, and then all of a sudden, people realize that life doesn't stop. That you know, we we can carry on. And oh, by the way, the government's going to pay me not to go to work, and and I've got stuff to do. And and um, so all of a sudden, it started. We started to see painting uh, our, our paint department got really busy and okay well that's kind of good and and you know and the store traffic was starting to come back and you thought well this is good and all of a sudden we were pretty busy but we had a quarter of the staff gone hmm. so now that's a challenge so everybody's busy doing things but we're still not sure what this all means and then as time progressed um it was like oh my gosh like we got to get more inventory we, we we're, we're running out of inventory and then we started to see the cracks in the mortar mm. it was okay product is not quick because it was happening in the same plus uh, same all the same places across the country and um yeah I'll give an example our home hardware is a company um prior to the pandemic <clears throat> was doing 2,000 online orders a week, okay? 2,000 a week um, prior to the product for the entire company. So that would have been roughly a thousand stores across the country, 2,000, and you know, that's not a big deal. We're, we're actually weak on the online ordering side of the business for various reasons, but, but nonetheless, well, that changed from 2,000 a week, if you can imagine, to 40,000 a day. Oh, wow. And we have three distribution centers that handle those. And the way it works in home hardware's world is somebody orders online and they give you a postal code. And that, so the system searches the closest store to that postal code. They send them uh, information about the order. You confirm you either have the stock and if you don't have the stock, they'll ship it directly to your store from the warehouse. Hmm. And at that point, you contact your customer and they and you do a, a store pickup. So if you can imagine a company having three distribution centers and doing 2,000 of those orders a week and handling them from Ontario. So there's three, one in Dubert, one in Ontario, one in Wetaskiwin. Handling those online orders. And out west, we wouldn't be near as strong. The population isn't as, as, as big. Right. To doing 40,000 a week, they couldn't keep up to that demand it was so they had to start moving people from other departments and they were facing the same challenges as everybody else some people had left because of covid and and different things and they may not have had the the covid virus as per se but they had the opportunity to make money without going to work right 
I don't know if that was a great idea, but nonetheless, it is what it is. Yeah. So that being said, all of a sudden the challenges and all of a sudden they couldn't fill all our orders and we couldn't get our stock. So we started seeing shortages and back orders and all of a sudden the demands were to the point where the warehouses, which were typically, you know, they're no, they're no dummies at what they do. They, they gauge and they market average inventory turns and, and they only have so much space to in, in, do, deal with this product. All of a sudden they weren't, that product wasn't coming back into those warehouses. Now, when you stop and think about what happened back in China, back in, this goes all the way back to December of uh, 2019, if you may, um, I said at that time, we're going to feel the impacts of this in July because they were talking about all these factories that have been shut down. Mm -hmm. And well, if they're shutting down factories, it takes three to four months for us to get that product, first of all, once it's produced. So holy smokes, we're going to feel this impact because there's factories. So there's a big void of about two months in China where the factories weren't working. Uh, in Ontario, they shut down factories. Um, so some of our suppliers in, in North America and North Canada side uh, were coming from Ontario. So they shut down those. So all of a sudden, supply became a critical issue. Critical, critical. Um, the product wasn't coming. Uh, you know, when we would have typically... Oh, on a back order weekly order, we would have maybe, and if we look at lines on a page, and I kind of go by that, oh, we maybe have a quarter of a page of back orders. Our, our percentage of, of fill rate at the warehouse is probably 90. They, they try to keep it over 99%. Mm. So it's 99.2% or something like that. Well, this started falling dramatically. We went from a quarter of a page to 38 pages of back order. Oh, my. Now we got shelves that are empty that yeah. we can't get. And it wasn't paper, it wasn't toilet paper. But nonetheless, it was stuff like just just consumables that that people all of a sudden were at home. They're painting, they're fixing. We couldn't get paintbrushes. You couldn't get sanding paper. It was like, what are we going to? So now you try to source every opportunity and you use your connections and your history. And and everybody's in the same boat, though. And it really put light into the whole conversation about how much we rely on China today. Mm. North America as a whole. And, you know, we've chased to some degree, some business away uh, just because of a competitive nature that a, that a, that a Chinese market can do. Uh, it made sense to a lot of businesses to do that. Um, but it, it really put us vulnerable in terms of um, the control that not, and I wouldn't say necessarily it's control, the, 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 the implications of a situation like this, what it does to us in, in, in across the, the world, so to speak. Nonetheless, it, uh, it became a dramatic challenge. So we seen that early in, in March and April, uh, interior stuff. And then once the, the, the weather started to turn, uh, then it shifted to outside work mm -hmm. and, and such, renovations and outside work. So we seen that, you know, we do a booking for treated lumber, for an example. So we as a group go together and they usually break it out into Western Canada and Eastern Canada. And uh, we we do a booking. We go to the to the market with millions of board feet of lumber uh, on the treated side, and, and they use history. And if you look back on the history, we will take traditionally we will take an order nine months worth of inventory um, in a typical booking time. And those last two or three months are iffy 
you can be short maybe on some particular product and, and such. So you use that last three months to fill in and it's usually the end of the season and you start this process all over again. That's the way it's been for the last 20 years. Everybody's done the same. Every doesn't matter if you're a Rona, if you're a Depot, if you're a Lowe's or they all do that mm -hmm. kind of a process together. Wow. That booking for nine months, all of a sudden, we're seeing increased demand, increased sales, increased everything. And the inventory that should last us till the end of September, at the end of June, we're out, we're done. Like we're, we've got holes in our wallet and, and you go back to your vendors and the same types of products where everybody was in that same world, they were all going to the well at the same time. And guess what? The treaters and the mills were affected in the same way that COVID was and they had people that left the system they weren't too concerned they didn't have strong inventories but you know what it was in the end of the world mm -hmm. all of a sudden this demand started to happen they haven't got enough people to treat the product they haven't got enough stuff to do it creates another shortage so guess what happens when you create that shortage pricing starts to go up well we can't we can't we can't supply and right the market let's raise the price maybe that'll slow down supply a bit and no that didn't work uh, people were prepared to pay whatever they had to, to to get the job done, right? So that was the challenge. And then the it was like the perfect storm. It was it was interest rates were at, you know, the Federal Reserve and uh, the federal funds, I think they call it in the U.S., had just adjusted their rates from uh, two point some percent in, in late 2019 now they're at a quarter percent they've dropped it twice and now they're at a quarter percent we had uh, we had a, a, a an increased demand we had people that actually in the construction industry and certainly the state side weren't affected by covid because you know you could still continue to build things and if you weren't shut down for a business you didn't need uh, to operate a business in that regard so there was construction that was happening so the u.s and the market was relatively competitive and there was the pricing was fine uh, hadn't changed in probably three years as per se and the us as the players they are um seeing the predictions of what was happening with their housing starts and such stepped in and started buying wood and that happened about june hmm. early june and these guys and like i talked to three different brokers and the one guy well they all said but they were selling hundreds of train car loads of wood in the states now the states buys the united states buys uh lumber from 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 canada they produce a lot of their own lumber they produce they buy um wood from um russia they buy wood from brazil uh, south america as per se um they have a large draw that they pull into um but in all fairness Canada, especially in the West, and you'll see that on the West Seaboard and the Western Seaboard and the Eastern Seaboard, you know, it's parallel to it's Quebec and Ontario funnel funneled down to those Eastern states and BC and Alberta funneled down to, to the Western states and, and somehow between the two they get into the to the, the to the mid uh, section and that's fine. So they started buying like I mean at unforeseen levels that guys were paying and, and the numbers weren't bad at that time. But they cleaned out mills because mills inventories weren't that strong. They 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 virtually drained systems. Um, I talked to one uh, a broker for Weyhauser Canada, and he is their he is the major broker 
um, to to move um, truckloads of OSB. Hmm. And his job was to move 30 truckloads every day. He overseen two different branches and he was to, to move 30 truckloads every single day. So he had to find a home for 30 truckloads of wood every single day. Now, when you're busy, it's not a problem. And, and I'm gonna say from, from April, May, May to September, that's usually not a problem for them to achieve that at, at any level. But it's the uh, but the mills continue to produce no matter what, right? And um, so and that was just Western Canada he looked after. So that would have been at least that number or more in in the, in the east as well. And um, so you know you start to do the math at thirty truckloads a day. That's two hundred ten truckloads a week. It's a lot of wood that keeps funneling into the system. Um, and and when you sell out, then you move on to the next day and you keep doing that. Well, he they got to a point where where he was selling out three weeks in advance. Oh, wow. So they, but the catch is, is you only get the number of, of what you pay for that wood at time of shipment. So you can sell the load today and I'll buy it today. And, and in, under normal situations, that product will ship within a week, hmm. easily a week. I would, I would get in my door within a week, right from the mill. Uh, but now all of a sudden he's pre-sold multiple truckloads and and and, and of, of wood. You can't you, you he can't number one he can't predict the number because he doesn't know what it's going to be three weeks from now. And he, they've got maximum production for three weeks. Hmm. So now you had situations where you better get in that train if you want product. You can see that you're moving inventory, but I don't. I can't just can't get it right now. So I better make, I better look ahead for three weeks and see what's happening. Well, that turned from three weeks into six weeks and seven weeks. Well, now you got a real challenge oh to know exactly what it was. And the pricing just went out of control. So, um, you know, OSB that was typically selling for uh, $14 a sheet back in 2019, all of a sudden, nine months later, your cost of that product was $33. <laughs> Well, how do we do this now? Yeah. And how the builder like and 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 you know we hold pricing. We so it's become a bit of a challenge to. And now you have to get that information out to your customers. Like this, this there's something happening here. Where are you at? What are you needing? Uh, we'll protect you where we can. We got inventory at that low level. We'll protect you on the jobs that are here. But the piper's going to come. Right. And uh, so edu educating your customers was really important at that particular time because the worst case scenario is you sell something to somebody who says, I didn't know about that and I can't pay you. So you want to be real about business in that regard. So so those challenges really, really um, were unprecedented. Like who, who does this? Like how do I how do so, I tell people? Like so the price, the pricing of lumber, OSP specifically yeah. and trade lumber, was it, so was it a combination of like the US hot market kind of kicking in gear like COVID, the COVID shut down plants or was it manpower? Like what, what has driven the price so high? Is it mostly demand? Well, a couple of things. When we take a look back about five years ago, we seen consolidation. We seen plants, actually OSB mills. OS, you know, for 10 years prior to today, so to speak, OSB was a hot commodity and they were building mills to produce OSB because there was, there was a strong demand for it and they seen everything was fine. You carry on six or seven years later and that demand isn't as strong now mm -hmm. so now you look at it and you say well the housing starts in canada are typical 
And we believed that the U.S. was going to be strong forever as well, and it didn't. Mm-hmm. You, the U.S. went through in the Obama time. The U.S. went through a, a, some very delicate times. They they didn't have any growth. Uh, housing starts were below seasonal numbers in the U.S. for about four or five years when, when um, Barack Obama was in. It wasn't his fault. It was a shift of times. And you know, when you look at those business cycles, you'll see it, and it says, "Well, it totally makes sense." And now these males decide, "Well, it just doesn't make any sense." Now I. I you know, I, I've, I've heard the rumor or cons, cons, discussion that a you know a sheet of three eighths OSB or three eighths or seven sixteenths OSB costs about six dollars a sheet to make. Mm. At the end of the all of the raw costs run roughly in about six dollars a sheet. Well, there went through a period of time back in there where you were buying OSB for eight or nine dollars a sheet. When you start to do the math, and these mills aren't making any money. Right. So company decision says, yeah, we're going to shut down these mills. Well, it's difficult to shut down a mill, let alone start them up, but it's, it's complicated. I mean, so they shut down mills or consolidated or moved. Uh, one one company would buy out another mill and then just close that one down and move that production over to another company. And, and, and it kind of balanced out and made sense. Mm-hmm. And it kept its own fair thing. So that was fine, but we did have closures five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, West here anyway. And but you know what? It wasn't an issue because the supply and demand was there. We could right. keep the mills could keep up with the, what demand was there for a typical North American demand. And like I say, this perfect storm hit, and all of a sudden, you know, U.S. housing starts went from, you know, they were doing back in the Obama times. They were doing, and don't get me wrong, they were doing nothing. They were doing actually, they went under a million starts. Um, um, can't remember which year that was, but and that was pretty substantial because the average was about one point, just over one one point one million. And when you see that drop like that, econ- economists really look at the housing starts as, a, as an indicator of what's happening in the economy, and that scares people in the stock markets. That scares people North America wide. They get a little concerned when they see housing starts. They, that means that people aren't working, aren't buying. There's a reason why that's happening. They're pulling back. Hmm. Uh, it's 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 a concern. Um, so things were just kind of going along for for four or five or six years. It was just steady as she goes, but there was nothing to to make any sense. <clears throat> and it seemed like once Trump got in there, things started to shift, and he he did have an impact, I believe, uh, for for business in the U.S. And we can question his theories and his mouth and his Twitter account and also and sorts of things. Uh, but I believe that the business economy, and I think part of it is his business background. He made some pretty tough deals out there, and he he, he shut down some some conversations with some companies, and and really pushed towards back into the U.S. And I think it started to make the U.S. economy feel a little bit better. I think really, uh, um, yeah, after the Obama time, and the, which was a tough sled, the cycle comes through. Uh, there was expected to be a rebound, some way, shape, or form. I think that was happening, no matter if it was uh, Trump or not. But nonetheless, um, it, it certainly seemed to kind of start to fall into place. So, so we've seen housing starts um, go, go from that under a million up to 1.1 million. That was probably about a seasonally adjusted average to have about 1.1 million housing starts in the U.S. Yeah. And um, that did that trended for a couple of years and then we seen this surge mostly last year 
and they went from 1.1 million to 1.4 million. Hmm. Uh, I think the highest is 1.3 something. So now this is the highest housing starts in history. Hmm. So we know there's demand there. Um, that really spurred a lot of excitement in the, in in the industry. It, it um, when we when you seen that demand from the states, and it was difficult when you seen. You couldn't get wood yet. There's train cars and train cars and train cars with the wood going, going south of the border, um, because the mills could sell. They now had a market. They now had uh, an opportunity to sell, and and with that, they were raising prices. Change mm-hmm. um, rate in Canada certainly complements the U.S. because they they have that opportunity. So that certainly helps them to some degree. No doubt. Uh, but. Um, that uh, that really impacted um, the demands that were there, and and you know what? When you've got a hundred train car loads going down to the states, and the guy wants one truckload of something, and the guy said, "Well, we got to fill these train car loads first, and we'll get to do what we can." Again. Yeah. So it was it was pretty interesting um, when we seen that um, when we seen those. It was funny because. As we got through most of the year and into November, I thought things were going to kind of level out now. Yeah. And um, and of course, the releasing numbers and the demands are there, and things are settled down. And and now the U.S. kind of stopped buying for about three weeks. And um, so I thought, okay, here we go. Remember now. Now you're now you're in the retail business. Now you're in the supply business to to your customers. And the price of a truckload of OSB is $33 a sheet. Now, remember that nine months earlier, you were buying that same truckload of OSB, that $33 a sheet, for about $11 and selling it for $13 or $12 or $13, somewhere in there. Do yeah. so you know that if it was if it's $33 now, that it can go back to $11? So when you take 5,000 sheets on a load and you multiply that times $20, while all of a sudden that's a lot of money that you can lose really quickly because you have to follow the market. Right. If the price of OSB at the end of the day, if the price of OSB tomorrow drops to $20 a sheet, and I've got inventory in my system that's at $30 a sheet, well, I'm going before myself if I'm going to get $29.99 a sheet for it because they can buy it anywhere. Mm-hmm. I can go out and buy a new truckload for $20. So Anybody else could do that. So you have to follow the market. So the yeah. biggest fear now is buying any more at the level of where you're at. So al- along the way, you try to average in and you'll try to average in coming down. So now we've seen the price of OSB go from 30, it was $33, I believe. Actually, it went up to 36, but that was just a, a brief period. But I'm going to say $33 held there for, for, for quite a while. And it drops down now to $22. Okay. So now in three weeks, it dropped down to $22. What are you going to do? You're thinking, I should get some OSB pretty soon. Mm-hmm. But do I buy now or do I wait? Right. Because if I... Because it could drop again. I should, if it drops again, I, I, right. and I've seen that. I've seen that where you, you buy it today's number and by the time you get it, it's already dropped. So you want to be careful. Yep. So the market... Every in the industry looked at everybody. It didn't matter who you were. You know, looked at that and say, "Well, okay, here's the slide. It's coming. We're going to get close. Maybe we're not going to get back to where we were in 2019, but it's going to start coming off now." So that went on for about three weeks in November, 
and it just into December. And then lo and behold, they re, re released now. Now they've readjusted the housing starts in the states, and they do this seasonally adjusted number average in the states, and then they'll correct it every so often. So they get it straight. Sometimes that just kind of fixes everything. And sometimes when they predict that there's a a, a, a number of this many starts that's it's projected we'll do this many, they do a calculation to say this is how many housing starts, and we base it off that. And then they, when they when they get the actual starts and and the permits and all that, and they do that number. It usually gets corrected. That usually can set the market a little bit straight. It says, "Okay, maybe it was overrated, maybe it was underrated, or mm-hmm. reacted." To. Well, in this case, it was underrated, and they come out with those housing starts. The U.S. then steps in and buys again in oh, December. Geez. Nobody buys in December. <laughs> Nobody buys in December. That's the season when it's like in Canada, it's cold and things are changing, and be, you know we're going to weather the storm for the next three months. Well, they stepped in and bought, drove that market right back to where it was again, and even higher. So now that carries into January. Now we have the largest buying show in Western Canada, and actually it is in Canada. And I, 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 uh, I, I chaired that association for for um, for a number of years, and and um, we have this buying show, and it typically is in Calgary. It was going to be moved to uh, to Winnipeg this year. That's typically early January. It's the largest buying wood buying show in in, in Canada, and now it's virtual. Mm-hmm. Now you're not doing that. So a lot of most businesses geared up for the last 20 years. That's just how we do it. Now we go book all this other stuff in January. And, well, now the market went kapafel and back up again. And now guys are scrambling in the first week in January, which is I've never seen this before. I'm 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 back on the phone. Actually, I was doing it in November to be honest with you. When I have a couple guys in the system that very close to over the years between between lumber brokers and um, and uh, analysts and future um, uh, the future market uh, guys that I that I have conversations with to give a really good insight into what's happening and. And where things are going, and I got an indication about the first week in November that things they're they're taking off. And normally, I would be waiting to do these bookings mm-hmm. in January. So I stepped in, in in November, late November, and and did these, and and it was good that we did that because there's a cushion there now. Mm-hmm. Um, that that market does slide back down a bit. At least we've cushioned it in somewhere in between there. But you know what it is? It's more supply than anything. Um, since this time. <clears throat> We we are now on this this new word called allocations. So now with the with with because there the supplies are going to continue to be an issue. I'm going to say to you to probably July and August of next year of this year, they put everybody on allocations in products that you can't even imagine. So we got insulation, we got drywall, we got steel products, we've got of course lumber, treated lumber, engineered wood is a really critical one. Uh, they're all on um, insulation, drywall, um, on allocations. So you're from like you're familiar with rock sol insulation or rock wall. Yep. Three months to get a truckload right now. Oh wow! If I need product, it's three months away. There's there's just no way around. Well, you better be making sure you've got inventory. So 
we've been working hard in the last two months ramping up inventory to levels and it's not because i'm trying to beat pricing increase more than anything i'm trying to get secure supply of course that that's the biggest issue there's nothing worse for you than to say hey um okay i'm ready to start this project and i say sorry i can't supply you with any flooring i i mean i bought i bought a truckload of um of plywood at the end of may and he told me i'd get it at the end of june and i was okay with it it was a little, probably about a week longer than i two weeks longer than i would normally see i never got that truckload of plywood until the end of september oh wow well that scares the hell out of you what do you how do you how do you sell anything you can't get yeah exactly and, and you know we're bidding jobs and we're we're you know people are the industry is is kind of funny i mean we do lots of quotes and estimates and so on and so forth and a lot of times that's a handshake uh that's an agreement that you're going to have product and when i need it and and, and kind of the pricing that's there and and uh, we you know we certainly uh, put strong faith in those values and and that, those relationships so you better be doing everything you can to make sure that you're going to secure that product for those customers because that's what it's built on more than anything so um yeah so now it's on allocations and if you didn't buy that particular product from that vendor last year you're not on the list to even buy it this year oh, wow. i just tried this and he says yeah i get phone calls every day if the guys looking for treated wood and he said they're not on our list we have to tell them to go to go away even though i've got product but i've got product for you mm. because you're on my list like you're on you're on allocated list and i'm allocated to secure your wood so you kind of mentioned osb has gone up well almost over double what about our job oh, oh wow okay so what about uh looking at like dimensional number where where is that at in relation to 2019 levels so 2019 we were it would be uh, if i look if i grab those numbers quickly uh you you would be double for sure wow double for sure at least double at like the price of wood where it is at today to where it was in that and and that term um we are seeing uh certainly certain panel panel products are an issue plywood and oats well right now um i can buy uh fir or spruce plywood cheaper than osb yeah so what's interesting about that is that you know there's there's i i so what's going to happen in 2021 well you know put, put it this way at the end of the day if, if if i believe for a minute that that guys are continue to pay 36 dollars a sheet my cost is 32 something a sheet of osb and they're going to continue to pay 35 or 36 dollars a sheet i'm fooling myself well there's other products out there um and there has always been other products the problem that we've had is they've always had to compete with osb so when you take a product like um i, I just use one for an example den denswas so it's a structural sheeting half inch typically you've probably seen that you'll see that typically on a commercial type building it's a yellow That's sheeting a, yeah the yellow sheeting yeah 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 now that product is typically my cost on that product is typically around 22 23 dollars a sheet hmm. but when you were buying osb at 11 or 12 and selling it for 13 or 14 nobody was buying dens glass yeah you would you why would you why would i be oh you'd be a builder and say well why would i do that yeah 
But the catch is, is that that product has been $22 or $23 a sheet, and it has been that way for the last two years or three years or more. It's been stable at that number, but you can't compete with it with with the uh, with the standard sheeting, residential sheeting, like uh, like an OSB product. When you get into commercial, some other things come into place, and they may may use it for fire retardancy. It has some benefits because it's not only structural; it has some fire retardancy and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, so that product, I, I believe. I guess my point, what I'm getting to, is that there are products out there, and as time progresses, I believe that the industry will adapt and shift into those things. Now, the framers don't like it because it's different and. Uh, and uh, it's it's a different way to do things. Oh, I remember the reality- using when we framed it. Yeah, we hated that thing. <laughs> yeah, but the reality is the builders is paying the bill, and they got to they they're got to be good operators too, and do yeah. whatever they do. Funny, uh, we did a, uh, a a small house here in town uh, for one of the builders, and uh, uh, I shipped over the floor package. It was a, a, a two story house, and and uh, I shipped. It was not a big house, but. I shipped over the floor package and uh, he phones me up. He says, "What's going on?" I said, "What?" He said, "I got uh, three three quarter inch tongue group fur." I said, "You bet." And he goes, "Well, why'd you send me fur?" And I says, uh, "What do they want fur?" And I says, "Well, um, well, no, and they, I I don't know if they want fur or not, but I do know that um, I can sell him fur with my inventory and the costs that are there." And what the costs and what the inventory values are of OSB right now, I can sell him fur at eight dollars a sheet, cheaper than the OSB. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking after the builder. Mm-hmm. And I guess at the end of the day, you know, if you said, I, if our customers had a choice, 99% of them would say they'll take the fur, but they'll never pay the fur, right? Yeah. This particular case, it's reversed, right? Well, the builder or the that the 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 framer says to me, "Well, I don't like it." I said, "What do you mean you don't like it?" Well, the tongues don't fit together like the other ones. He said, "Can't you just send me OSB?" And I said, "You know what? At forty at forty sheets at eight dollars is three hundred and twenty dollars times two floors is six hundred dollars. Your 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 boss doesn't like paying the six or six hundred dollars, and I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do whatever we can to find secure." Products that that can compete in those regards. Do the research, look for other, and I think as time, the next couple months, I believe, you know, our, as our build season starts to ramp up, you're going to see more and more products be able to re- replace some of the hyper cost products that are out there. You know, I, I remember for a period of time many years ago that finger jointed studs um, were an available product. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were a little bit more than a regular stud, but they're obviously they're they're, they're true, um, and they're consistent. But they were a little bit more money, so that didn't make any that didn't make any sense. But when we take a look at their input costs, are fairly consistent now because they use a different. They don't use a premium grade of wood. That's right. They take cut all the knots out, and they they make it a premium grade of wood, so to speak. So we're going to see products like that resurface at a more competitive number which is going to help the industry generally right. but the reality is at the end of the day we won't be able to cover all those costs because there's certain we're, we're seeing so many increases from some so many things the builders in my opinion have to raise their numbers they just have to. Mm-hmm. um they can't absorb it they you know short term we've seen this thing with drywall a couple years ago where guys got caught with that increase in drywall and 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 there were many projects that 
that somebody bite the bullet on on some some pricing that happened on that whole fiasco. But uh, I believe the market ha- is going to readjust. It's going to react. I think Camo's market here as a whole. I think uh, as we progress forward, I think there's um, there's there's because of COVID to some degree and the oil field, if you want to call it oil field or natural resources, the energy sector. I think that there's some people that um, in the community that, you know, we're living mm, today, maybe beyond their means, but not at the time because they both had really good jobs working um, in oil field, um, uh, had a, a, a nice, a relatively new home, a boat and a trailer and a, and a, and a quad and, and all that stuff. And God darn it, that, that uh, big paying job isn't there anymore in Fort McMurray. And I'm, 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 I, I can't get that work and I'm taking on something else and we're working for half the salaries that were before we can't afford this house anymore and we got to sell mm-hmm. so I think some of that's happening as has happened um, and um, and so there what there is in my opinion is some relatively good used housing on the market mm-hmm. and the people aren't looking to gain make big gains on that because they they'd be happy to get out of their mortgage because they have to find something that they can afford better anyway. So they're going to downsize or they're going to change or they're going to do some of those things just to to get to a point. So when you've got that good used product in the market at those old replacement numbers, they have to compete with anything new. And I think that's a challenge for any builder right now. I think we've got six months for that stuff to to filter through the system and get cleaned up. And then when you're left with, how would I say, um, old junk used that's too expensive to yeah, yeah. to repair or too expensive to invest in i gotta put a hundred thousand dollars into a three hundred thousand dollar or two hundred thousand dollar house doesn't make sense i i think i should look at something different so until we get to that point i think it's still going to be a, a tough goal for for the builders out there just to and what i mean by builders pre-selling isn't the issue somebody's got the money they they've got the ability that's we're doing lots of those types of projects right now. We're, you know, we, I'm seeing lots of rural builds, mm-hmm. uh, uh, large rural builds, 3,800 square foot quad garages, two stories, massive homes. Um, some some of that nice stuff, of course, barns and, and shops and all that. There, there's money in those sectors. Consequently, that's going to happen. But yeah. for a builder to go out and spec build and say, I got a dream and idea. I think I'm going to put a new product in the market. I think it's risky right now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but there's the people that'll walk in the door and say, listen, I, I, I need you as a builder and I like your product and I want you to price me out this particular type of a home or, or, or do some of that. So I think there's opportunity with the, with the ones that have the money and so on and so forth. But if we can get through, I'm going to say the first six months of this year and some of that, I see I see bright signs for builders. I really do. Um and what, what I read an interesting. What do you think the trends are for like, if you were to take a guess, what would the trend be for the next, let's say, nine months? Like, do you think lumber is going to be still climbing? Do you think it's going to stabilize a little bit? Obviously, we're just taking a shot in the dark. But what do you think, Rob? Realistically, what do I think? Um, I've, I, I think that this is what's going to happen. I think that um, the market itself, the lumber market, is going to hold for the next three months. I three months we're going to hold. Um, we might not see any, too much for increases, but it certainly be flat line. It might even be over, overshadowed for some of the other increases that are coming out there, and like insulation and drywall and those sorts of 
commodity type products, windows, you know, all sorts of those things. Mm -hmm. But I believe the lumber market will hold steady. We might see some little ups and downs, little little burps here and there for the next three months for sure. Flatten out. And I'm going to say to you by July, the market's going to gradually start to slide. Mm -hmm. uh, this is my prediction. Mm -hmm. um, they, and, 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 it, and I believe that the, I don't think that the U.S. will continue in another strong year like they had last year. I think there's some stuff. A new president's always, a new administration in a country like the U.S., always, it always, there's a year pause until mm -hmm. they figure things out. And, and I believe this year is that year of pause. We don't always understand what Biden means. Doesn't It's not about pipelines and all the rest of it it's about governing this country i think they you know we got covid issues to deal with and he's got to get those things dealt with and so on and so forth but that being said i don't think that the u.s market is going to go really really strong for another year mm -hmm. gosh I, I don't that being said i believe the market will start to slide part of that will be driven by the fact that mills will adjust they will take some time but they will ramp up their ability to produce more product and if they can do that, supply and demand says now we're producing more product than the demand is out there. The numbers should come on. And I think it's going to take till June for them to to um, to be able to deal with that. Uh, winter months are typically logging months in, in British Columbia, and northern Alberta. They log a tremendous amount of wood uh, and get those log decks filled uh, for, for the season. So as long as the weather stays cold, um, that logging can happen. Um, and, and I believe their inventory should be back up to a normal uh, ability through through this winter period. They see opportunity. They see, wow, we've got lumber prices that we've never seen before. Yeah, uh, We better make sure we got wood so we can sell it and make as much money as we can. Right. Uh, it's that knee-jerk reaction, that pendulum swings one direction and then it starts to come back the other direction. I believe that it'll take them six months for them to, to uh, get their productions back up, get their meals back into they will pay more money if they have to to get people to come back to work. Um, once CERB money runs out, uh, if it you know, and and uh, unemployment insurance, they transfer people, I guess, from CERB over to unemployment insurance now. So, so they've got some time. Uh, but people are going to start thinking as they get closer to those end mm -hmm. of those line periods. What am I going to do for a job? Yeah. So it it's. It, that should get people back to work in some regards, and and uh, and I think I believe that supply will outpace the demand, which should bring down numbers. Uh, and I'm okay with that. I really mm -hmm. am. I, 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 <laughs> yep. We need a of a softening. That the interesting part about a sliding market is nobody wants to buy. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to buy. Uh, as a builder says, well, maybe we'll wait to see that lumber price is supposed to come off some more, right? Yeah. 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 It's supposed to. Uh, well, well, let's just wait. And it's the reverse on the incline. It's panic. People panic buy. I yeah. can't wait any longer. I'm prepared to pay the number today and I, I got to buy it now. So I, I can't, I, I don't want it to go any higher. Right. Yeah. So that can be that, that can be the negative of things. But on the reverse of that, I think, uh, I think there'll be a, a, a better feeling in the economic side than the, you know, there's this, there's a, right now, and I don't think there's any panic for the general population out there. Hey, that check's still coming in. Um, I'm okay. Um, I can tell it by the, you know, we're looking for some help. And, um, you know, I had a truck driver leave 
Um, I've got a girl that's going to retire. Uh, I've got a cashier that um, at, uh, wants to leave and go back to school. So I'm looking for a few people. Mm-hmm. And we put the resumes out there. We put it out there on our typical stores, indeed, and a few other spots. And you, you, you I cannot find a truck driver right now if I try. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for, oh, I'd hire two guys, one for a picker operator and a regular truck driver. I can't find them. They're just not there. Mm-hmm. Well, they're all getting paid somewhere. Yeah, and uh, no sense of that. Why would I want to go work in the cold right now? So I think once spring comes, that the, the opportunities may be better. Yeah. Um, and once some of those paychecks start to run out, or maybe once they get their taxes done and they figure out that they do still owe some money, that maybe they should go back to work and really earn their living today. I'm not sure, but nonetheless, I think that uh, it's going to take uh, six months for this thing to settle down. Now, I'm I'm assuming. That we stay on a good and steady, positive path for COVID, mm-hmm. uh, and that we don't get a massive flare up from a from a variant or something like that. If that's the case, we're in for a, for a shit show, I think. But um, I, I I believe that the lumber market should start to come off by by June, uh, to come off to a point that maybe I don't think it's going to go back to the lows of 2019, the lowest part of 2019. I think we'll be above that. Yeah, but I it's not. The levels that was ridiculous where we might see osb you know like i was saying to you i was buying osb at around 12 or 13 dollars a sheet and uh and now it's 32 well i don't think we're going to go back to 12 or 13 dollars a sheet but you know what i'd be comfortable uh and and i believe the market would be industry would be comfortable if that was 16 dollars a sheet and was selling it for 18 dollars a sheet yeah because I'm not prepared to pay $35 a sheet. Yeah. So if we could get to that spot, remember when I said Den's glass is $22 a sheet, you're below that replacement type of a product. Yeah. And you you stable your product line as, as well. So, and it all becomes the norm again. So I'm going to anticipate that's, that's my crystal ball. Um, on the same note, uh, we're busy on paper right now, as busy as any year that we've seen in January, February typical time of the year we quote a tremendous amount of product that's you know some of it's hedged out there but most of what we see they're real like it's not a spec situation it's a start that's going to happen early spring uh we just need to get all our ducks in a row now to make that come together so yeah um we see more hedge stuff later in the year july and august june and july where they're not sure if they want to do it or not um and then, and and that's that's when it's more hedging and trying to figure things out. But these are looks like the real projects kind of thing. And no, it's good. And, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, but I like I say, interesting times. I tell you, um, you just try to read any indication that you can. You can't consume yourself with everything. But my biggest concern for business right now is securing product and making sure that we get access to product. Makes sense. Uh, that that's stressful when you're spending 35 percent of your day chasing product like trying to find it or find out where it is uh yeah the average consumer is not used to this no no it's like you know you want you want a deep freeze okay i'll tell you you can i'll get you uh, i'll get you something by april yeah but i tell you what i'm gonna get guys what i need a deep freeze now you're going to have to look everywhere you can to find it because the supply is not there. Interesting. It, it, it's just dumb. Hmm. It's dumb. So, 
again, with that, as soon as there's a shortage of supply, we see opportunity for increases. And, of course. You know, I've seen another one today come into my desk and overhead doors. Yeah, oh, we got a 4 to 5% increase. Whether they're real or not, this one's steel-type product. And, and um, interesting thing on steel, and we look at steel, whether that's, a, you know, things that are made with steel, and we look at a housing situation, you got, you know, you got duct work. And I talked to a, a, a commercial plumber the other day owns a commercial plumbing business and he said uh unbelievable he said the increase in sheet steel for them mm -hmm. uh gal galvanized and stainless steel steel he said is is unbelievably it's tripled in price and um and supply is an issue and mm -hmm. and, and i said to him i says well you, you know what's interesting about this in in night in 2000 and um 2018 um china was the world's largest exporter of steel so they would take any kind of steel that they could, any kind of scrap steel across the world. Um, they, of course, make steel there too. And we sell it. We would sell lots of coal to China to make that steel for those steel smelting plants and stuff. But they were the largest exporter of steel in the world. Hmm. In 2020, the, they will be the largest consumer of steel in the world. Oh, interesting. And so some of that stemmed from years of producing that and they're selling that to the rest of the world on a, on a regular basis. Their infrastructure is 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 to a point that they need to build their infrastructure. Mm -hmm. uh, they need to build more of these plants, and 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 so they're they're going through a massive build in China, consuming a tremendous amount of steel. So they stopped exporting, and they're consuming more than they ever would export. And what do you think that does to global supply? Of course, yeah. So. Now, Mexico, which is a good, strong supplier of steel as well, I, I mean, they, they'd be happy to sell it to China and, and North America. But guess what happened to the price as we're going along the way? It, yeah. It's just the price of steel went up. So that affects uh, sheet goods and, and uh, you know, duct work and furnaces themselves and, and things for the housing and rebar. You know, rebar has gone up substantially since November as well. And again, yeah. shortage. So... Yeah, I'm keeping abreast of some of those. Some of those may be piggyback or jump on the system, but I believe for the most part, good, good company operations say that, you know what, our costs have gone up in the last year, whether it's COVID related or the things that we've had to deal with. Um, yeah, we've had some added inc increases and our raw materials are costing more, so numbers are going up. Yeah. Oh, I, I guess I, what I, I look ahead more for the next three or four years and, you know, I'm I'm not liking our administration where they're heading and don't get me wrong I'm, I'm living this province of, of oil and gas and the rest of it but I'm not sure this carbon tax is going to solve any problems uh, if anything we're going to see you know everything doesn't seem to be too bad now when gas is at 90 some cents a liter yeah uh, but when that gas goes to two dollars and 90 cents a liter plus another 30 cents uh, carbon tax added on uh, you're going to get really concerned um, and try to make that. And I, I just don't see how this makes sense in a northern climate like Canada where, you know, it'd be different if we if we were in the, in, in the state somewhere where we could encourage more transportation, different ways of transportation in a climate that makes sense. But when it's 30 below out here, we, did, we have to drive. We have distances that people drive and move and uh, you know cameras isn't getting a bus transit system to make this come together and and all these things that can't go together with that so I'm a little concerned more more about you know business as a whole four years from now when this carbon tax 
plan comes together. But you know what? Things can change with governments too. So maybe it won't won't all be that way. But um, that affects the builders. That affects you know the costs that get procured into all of that stuff. At the end of the day, uh, people want more money, and um, and so you pay them more. It costs you more to produce your product, and we see more inflate. In my opinion, it becomes inflationary. So yeah, uh, we'll see. We will see how that happens. But. Um, I think that yeah, you're going to have some challenges. I think certainly in the next six months, uh, but I see bright signs for for builders like yourself. Now you're in a specialty market, so I think that you're, you know, if you're going to spec build out there, that's a little different story. But I, you're in a specialty market, and I think that I don't know. You tell me what's it what's it been like? Well, this year, like we are projecting probably twice as twice the business of last year, which is great. Uh, so last year wasn't, wasn't the best, but it wasn't the worst either. So that's another good news, you know, some more good news. But I guess when it comes to like from my perspective as a builder and as a renovator, um, the aspect of just a renovation just costs. Yeah. Okay. So if you're doing major renovation, it costs a lot of money just because there's so many moving parts. But when it comes down to it, like we're doing a massive renovation, probably $130,000 and lum- our lumber budget is $500. That's all the lumber we need everything else is is there something different right you know drywall electrical flooring right so that that aspect on, on a renovation is very small but yeah i'll follow if you're going to be gutting the house moving walls adding you know then then or if you need subfloor then that becomes a totally different ball game or if you need engineered lumber um you know yet again this is just a beam that's all we need and fix one wall and that's it so out of a hundred and thirty thousand dollar budget five hundred dollars is lumber that's all we have so that's, you know, like, so that hasn't affected that market, but yeah, well, yeah. as soon as you go to, you know, uh, pricing at a duplex, pricing at a custom home. Yeah. Like, you know, we've been talking to Devin, uh, discussions of the, you know, just premium lumber, even under, like, here's a funny conversation of like, when you mentioned premium lumber and, and no one understands that you need premium lumber for trusses, right? Everyone just thinks it's just, mm-hmm. hey, it's a stud that they put in, put, uh, put some gang plates in and you're ready to go. Um, but once you're educated, you're like, oh, this starts this starts to make sense. And then you're like, oh, my trust package is twice the price of what it used to be. Especially if you need like a few trusses on a little roof addition, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, look at this cost for this roof. But yeah. what we've seen, like the one thing, I, I don't know, I think it seems like maybe people have been so used to this new kind of staying at home or just maybe their maybe their jobs are secure now that people are willing to spend now. It's, it's been a very interesting year because... Um, yeah, last year it was kind of like a pause. Everyone kind of said, "Hey, let's hang on." And I was the same way as a as a consumer. I was like, "No, like low overhead, no spending. See where it goes, right?" Because with lockdowns, yeah. I, we had no idea when things were going to change, or if they're going to change, or if they were, if there was even a possibility of change. But yeah. this year, it seems like you're right, though. Like you know, uh, the acreage builds are are big. Those are huge. Um, I was talking to another builder locally here, and. You know, the, the, I guess the one challenge that we that we discussed was the the aspect of now if you're all sending if you if there's a huge um, let's say demand of you know, someone looking to build but let's say you have a surplus of builders now you're gonna take your product or your plans to multiple builders now everyone's gonna tender that in a different way with lumber being unpredictable so what's gonna, who's gonna win right and who's gonna the question is gonna be who's gonna do it for the cheapest or who's going to provide the most value to the consumer to win that contract. And that's a tough game altogether. You know, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think for the for the total build, 
new construction total build, I think the builders that are in place in the marketplace now are protected well. There's a, it's a complicated world now. Not anybody can just go out and build a new home and, uh, and fall under the guidelines that are required. And whether it's insurance or whether it's it's qualifications and so on and so forth. So I think that that side of it, mm-hmm. but renovations another one. And it seems like, you know, that Derek Hand, who has a truck and a toolbox, in there, that all of a sudden he's a tile setter and yeah. he can do these. And we're very scrutinary in terms of. You know, we, we try to find out who people are and what they're doing and, and, you know, where they're from and and what they're doing. And it's not that we're trying to be nosy. We're trying to understand who they are and what they're doing because we often get asked for recommendations of individuals. But I will tell you, we're very cautious in, in, in recommending anybody that doesn't have any long-term experience and qualifications because that's just a recipe for disaster. Uh, and I feel bad. I've had many customers that over the years that have, come back and say, if I would only have known, I just called this guy and or this guy stopped. Uh, he was at Tim Hortons one day and looked like he could knew what he was doing, but he just went sideways on him. So um, those kind of things, I think, can, yeah, could certainly um, be a problem for a renovator. Uh, and you, so you can get a botched job. You're absolutely right, though. Like we've like that's I've said that to many people where you jump into like oil field goes down or if anyone loses their job all you need you don't even need a pickup truck you maybe need a decal or magnet on the side of your truck a tool belt in the back and you're a contractor like you're you're a renovator that's all you need no licensing nothing else right so which is which is okay because i'm 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 a free market guy i'm like hey if you can provide a service and get work that's fine the only problem is that usually these guys start off small you know maybe a bathroom renovation let's say it goes well but then as you start growing and you start taking on a hundred thousand dollar renovation and then maybe that goes well but then all of a sudden you start getting into those bigger projects it's not the same business model where you have a bathroom where you extrapolate to an addition and that's where people yeah. fall apart and when you when you have all your invoices in a, in a little uh, you know shoebox for your project and you quoted it at a hundred thousand dollars and your costs are a hundred thousand dollars you're going back to the customer and saying hey i need more money because things went sideways or whatever the case may be. And that's, and that's the challenge. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah, no, I see, I see that without question. One, one, and I read, read an interesting article recently is that, <clears throat> um, that we're seeing a shift to some degree from, um, row type housing and condo type ownership, not ownership or renting. I guess we look at those rental properties. Um, so those that 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 young couple that bought that condo or that row house, if you may, or renting, um, they, they 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 haven't gone anywhere. They haven't done anything. They've they've uh, they've actually saved money this year, uh, this past year, and um, they've never been able to afford the down payment for a new home. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they're closer. Um, and that's with actually within their sites now. And when you do the math and they and the interest rates of where they're at, they can get into that new home and on a modest new home or a a a, a, a home um, with that down payment that they they virtually saved in this pandemic, if you may. Mm-hmm. So they're not spending. They're not going to concerts. They're not traveling around. They didn't take their winter vacation. The stuff that 
some generations feel they're de- they're they're qualified for. Um, yeah, and 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 so that could be a positive thing. On the reverse of that, they also kick into you know yeah we do have this uh, condo that we bought maybe it's time to renovate or mm-hmm. lots of things. So I I see some as much as we can look at the negatives of all of this situation, and I think there's there can be some light. Uh, bright sides to all of it and and uh, we just have to look for it understand it and and in- anticipate it to some degree um and and think smart about it um and, you, yeah. and you're absolutely right about that and it's funny that you mentioned that the young couple story like we we have one client that we're doing a project for this is our f- technically fourth project for them and biggest reason was like hey last year we didn't go on a holiday we usually spend twenty thousand dollars we might as well put it into our house that was literally their reason and I, I didn't yeah. even think about that. Isn't that something, eh? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we're creatures of habit. We will spend if we have the money. Yeah. That—that uh, that is just how most are. So I'm not surprised. So yeah, I see. I see some really positive things. I guess the interesting thing will be, you know, just staying abreast of the newest trends and and uh, the neatest concepts and neatest ideas and 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 taking those forward. I I think that that's in your experience. You guys are smart operators. You know what you're doing. And um, and and I think that um, that there can be some really positive signs in all of this craziness. Mm-hmm. Well, Rob, I appreciate. Like, honestly, thank you so much for your time. And yeah, this has been a great conversation. Yeah, no, we'll have to do it again. Um, maybe maybe six months it... from now and see if you're right about the lumber pricing. Hey, yeah, six months to see if we're right about that, and and we'll see how things business are. Let's share let's share another story in in six months. Okay, sounds good, Rob. Thanks. You take care.